Hello, my rebels. An interesting show today, if I may say so. Uh, Pierre Polyev, the would-be leader of the Conservative Party, criticizes a journalist anonymously, doesn't say her name. She reveals herself and criticizes him back five times. And then dozens of media party journalists come out of the woodwork on her side. I'm loving every minute of it. The more they hate Pierre Polyev, the better. And I'll explain my theory why. I'll explain that in today's show. But before, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's the video version of this podcast. I want you to see it. I want you to see the images I put on the screen and see the video clips I play. The podcast is great. I'm glad you listened to it. Thank you. But the video version is what we really work hard on. It's eight bucks a month. Go to rebelnewsplus.com, click subscribe. And you know that eight bucks a month? You might think, well, that's not a lot of dough. And it's really not. It's half the price of Netflix. You get 36 episodes a month. You get 20 of my show. Plus, we have four weekly shows, lots of good stuff. But really, that eight bucks a month, it adds up because that is how we pay our bills here. We don't take any money from Trudeau. We rely on that $8 subscription. So please go to rebelnewsplus.com. Thanks. Here's today's show. Tonight, the media party has decided to kill Pierre Polyev. The good news is, I think he knows that. It's July 11th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. most humiliating political act by a Canadian conservative politician in the past decade <laughs> was when Andrew Scheer, then the leader of the conservatives, kept going on the CBC, including being interviewed by Rosemary Barton, when the CBC and Barton in particular had just launched a lawsuit against him. Let me say that again, because if you don't know this already, you will find it stunning, as you should in the 2019 election. In the middle of the election, in the middle of the election, the CBC, the state broadcaster, and Rosemary Barton, their top Ottawa reporter at the time, they literally went to court to sue the Conservative Party of Canada right in the middle of the election that they were covering. And they didn't stop covering it. So while they were covering the Conservatives, talking to the Conservatives, pretending to treat them fairly and objectively, they were actually behind the scenes meeting with lawyers, drafting and reviewing the lawsuit against the Conservatives, and Andrew Scheer just smiled and submitted submissively, which is his specialty, even after they filed it. I mean, have you no self-respect? <laughs> I guess we know the answer. Aaron O'Toole was pretty much the same. There was no indignity that the CBC or any other liberal media could do to him that would cause him to do anything other than smile and nod like a good little boy. I mean, did they actually think, Andrew Scheer and Aaron O'Toole, in the moment when it counted, that the CBC would, you know, be their friend, that the Toronto Star might choose them over their dear Justin Trudeau? Did they really think that maybe the CBC and the Globe and Mail actually liked them? They liked me. No, they don't, mate. Just like, I don't know, if you go to a strip club and give the dancer a tip, they'll pretend for a moment that they like you, but they don't really like you. In fact, they probably despise you. Newsflash, conservatives, the media does not really like you. I mean, look at this. 
Look at this story in the Globe and Mail. Trudeau mobbed by admirers at Stampede Pancake Breakfast. Now, that's definition, that's dictionary definition fake news. In fact, it was not a Stampede event. It was a private Liberal Party event held in a parking lot just for party stalwarts. No one else was invited. Here, listen to the first few moments of his speech. You can actually hear a heckler call him a traitor several times at this love-in. Take a look. Yeah, mobbed by admirers at the stampede. Please stop lying. That was a story for the Canadian press, which is a wire service. So it was picked up by media across the country. Look at all the different media that just reprinted the lies from that one reporter, Bill Graveland, through the uh, Canadian press. Now, the Globe and Mail was eventually embarrassed by this, so they actually went back and changed the headline on their story. As you can see, it now says, Trudeau references Ukraine, inflation, at Calgary Stampede Pancake Breakfast. Well, thanks. After 99% of people who were going to read the article had already read the article. Would you agree with me that this is the most important thing for a conservative candidate to know? The media hates them. A conservative knows instinctively that the Liberal Party of Canada doesn't like them. You'd have to be pretty thick to miss that one. But the media party claims it's not a political party. They claim... Its objective is unbiased and objective uh, journalism. So they can use that neutrality to trick you. You know the saying, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. The greatest trick left-wing activists ever pulled was convincing the world that they were not, in fact, activists, but fair and balanced journalists. No, no. Okay, now you know that. I, I know that. Just want to remind you why Aaron O'Toole and Andrew Scheer lost. And really, if you can't stand up to the news media in a campaign, what's to say you'd stand up to them once you were elected prime minister, if that were ever to happen? Good riddance to those two. And now Pierre Polyev comes to lead the party. The race is not over yet, but I think it's easy to say Polyev will win. He drew the largest crowds, he claims to sold the most party memberships, over 300,000. That could be puffery, but it's credible to me. And his social media presence is large and strong. You've got to love his little videos. Did, did I show you this one he did about inflation? Just, just can I take two minutes? It's relevant to the story, actually. Well, look at this video. I love it. So just inflation has struck again. We have the new inflation numbers up. They're at a 40-year high, almost 8%. Worst among the Offending products is food up, up and away. So we're going to go find out how bad it is at my local grocer. What can my bag of groceries tell you about inflation or just inflation? Numbers out today, 10% increase in food prices. Let's go through the items and how much they've risen one by one. Eggs, tomatoes, lettuce, pasta. I'm not going to try throwing this one up and down outside of the box. Ground beef. 
10% food price inflation in one year alone. Why? Trudeau has brought in a carbon tax that increases the cost for farmers and truckers to produce and deliver the food that we eat. Two, he's running monster deficits that he's paying for with printed money. More dollars chasing fewer goods always equals higher prices for everything. And three, uh, government gatekeepers are driving up the cost of farmers to produce our foods and truckers uh, to deliver it, including the vaccine mandates, which means we have fewer truckers to deliver our food. So what's the solution? One, get rid of the Trudeau carbon tax to reduce the cost of everything. Two, cap government spending through a pay-as-you-go law so that we can phase out the deficit and stop printing inflationary money. And three, let's get rid of the government gatekeepers that are burdening our hardworking farmers so that they can produce affordable, safe food for all of us and get rid of all these mandates so our truckers can more affordably deliver that food to our local grocers. That's just common sense. Now, take back control of your life. Let's make this the freest country on earth. I thought that was great. Over 100,000 views on Twitter alone. Probably many more on YouTube and Facebook. I didn't count. Polyev does these a lot. They're clever and well done. They're full of substance, though, aren't they? They show he's a lively communicator, smart. There's a sense of humor. And he's the opposite of Trudeau, who, like Kamala Harris, insists on talking to you like you're a three-year-old. So Polyev goes straight to the people for free. Those aren't paid ads, those little videos. They're, they're shared by real people, which is more valuable. Polyev has stopped going to Conservative Party of Canada debates. Now, it's frustrating for journalists, including for me, but that's sort of the point. Why bother having other candidates take pot shots at you, and why bother letting the Rosemary Bartons of the world ask you fake gotcha questions? I like those little videos that Polyev does, but back to the media. Polyev has generally avoided them, and he has pushed back against them in a good way. He's not, he's not as antagonistic or personally mean towards them as I've seen Maxime Bernier be, but he's definitely tougher than any conservative in recent memory, including Stephen Harper, who had nine years to solve the CBC problem but didn't. But here's what I'm so excited about today, I, and this is good news, and I'm not being sarcastic. Came out of the blue, a press release by Pierre Polyev. I, I didn't really understand what he was talking about. He said, no wonder trust in the media is at an all-time low. One of Global News' so-called journalists decided to smear me and thousands of other Canadians because we criticized the federal government's unscientific and discriminatory vaccine mandates. My campaign's response to this attack. And then a page-long sentence. Now, I'm going to read it in part because it's long and I want to show you it's long. Um, it was about Polyev walking with veteran James Topp who walked across Canada to Ottawa in support of freedom. It was part of the trucker rebellion. I'm going to read it to you now, okay? This is what he put out the other day. Canadians' trust in the news media has reached an all-time low, and when we look at your coverage of these issues, it's easy to understand why. Instead of just covering the news, unprofessional journalists like you try to set disingenuous traps to attack your opponents. At every available opportunity, Pierre Polyev has supported and will continue to support Canadians' right to restore their freedoms and take back control of their lives. He has done this all while repeatedly calling for individuals who engage in illegal behavior to express heinous views uh, to be held accountable for their actions. Mr. Polyev has stated unequivocally that, quote, any and all racism is evil and must be stopped. 
Since you insist on demonizing Canadians who dare to speak up against the Trudeau government, we can only assume that Global News is content to be a liberal mouthpiece. Mr. Polyev supported James Top's singular cause of ending vaccine mandates so people can take back control of their lives. Your tactic seems to be to demand Polyev answer for all the words and deeds of not just everyone he has ever met, but also everyone they have ever met. That amounts to guilt by multiple degrees of separation. Mr. Polyev meets and talks with thousands of people who meet and talk with thousands of people. Each of those people is individually responsible for their own words and deeds. For example, Mr. Polyev has met with Justin Trudeau. That does not make Mr. Polyev responsible for Trudeau's many racist outbursts, including dressing up in racist costumes and mistreating visible minorities in his own party. Mr. Polyev will continue to stand up for everyday Canadians and won't apologize for doing so. And what's a little bit weird there, you can tell, is it says you, you, you. So this was written to a reporter, but put out on that Twitter feed without reference to the reporter, mentioned Global News. It was a little unusual, wasn't that? I read that and I wondered, who was he talking about? He didn't say, but I liked it in that instead of answering the journalist like a meek and submissive Andrew Shearer or Aaron O'Toole would have done, he blasted her, even though he didn't mention her by name, which is slightly confusing to me. I mean, why hide the identity? Why? But no matter, soon enough, the journalist in question identified herself. It's Rachel Gilmore of Global News. We've talked about her before and her extreme bias. And she said this in response to Polyev. She said, this statement, which I now realize was a yet-to-be-published press release, was sent to me in response to my request for comment two days ago. If anyone is interested in the questions I asked his team, as well as the story itself, here's additional context. And I'll just read it so you hear the whole story. Polyev's team sent this to me on Tuesday in response to my request for comment. It read like a press release then. I guess it was a press release. Here are the questions I asked, which instead of answering, he replied to by calling me unprofessional. Well, I think you are, sister. Does Mr. Polyev feel he has a responsibility to distance himself from movements that call for actions that violate Canadian law and the principles of our democracy? <laughs> is, that, is that how you summarize the trucker rebellion? Uh, hey, did you ever ask Trudeau that about Black Lives Matter or Antifa? Does he have concerns that his supportive figures like Top and his silence when Top's ties to figures like McKenzie are revealed? could be interpreted as endorsing such far-right views. I don't even know who Mackenzie is, but that really is what Polyev said. Multiple degrees of separation. This is not journalism. How does he respond to those criticizing his silence in relation to these far-right figureheads? <laughs> does Mr. Polyev condemn white supremacy and comments from Jeremy Mackenzie, including that he'd like to watch gallows on Parliament Hill? Now, you know that Pierre Polyev's wife is a visible minority, right? I've never had a politician publish an entire press release to call me unprofessional for asking questions, but I guess there's a first time for everything. <laughs> now, are those fair questions? No, they are not. They're not real questions at all. They're guilt by association, but they're just accusations with a question mark at the end of them. Polyev was literally just walking with a veteran on the street, and these questions were put to him. Imagine a journalist playing that game with Justin Trudeau, with, say, Gian Gameshi, the CBC liar who would punch girls in the face again and again on dates, <clears throat> or frankly, Trudeau's former roommate, who was later convicted of being a sexual predator. And I mean, that's not really fair, but this sure is. Trudeau and Jaspal Atwal, a convicted would-be assassin 
who tried to murder a cabinet minister in India while on vacation in BC, Trudeau actually took that convicted criminal with him back to India. That's not even guilt by association. That's why did you bring him? Um, so here's the story as it finally ran by Rachel Gilmore in Global News. How close is too close to the far right? Why some experts are worried about Canada's MPs. That's not even a story. It's a smear. It's a fever dream in the media party. Here's their style when reporting on liberals. So I guess the first thing I should ask you is, are you feeling lucky? I mean, <laughs> the entire country wants to know. What shampoo do you use? <laughs> what a disappointing answer this is going to be. Whatever happens to be hanging around at the time. Can you believe it? It's so gross that the Conservative Party hired Tom Clark to moderate their leadership debate. So gross. Anyways, uh, if it were Andrew Shearer or Aaron O'Toole, they would have responded to the smear with a sternly worded letter of apology to Global News. But Polly have responded how I showed you with a letter saying he wasn't going to play their game. Now, that is great news. But even better is Global's hysterical reaction. Now, I showed you Rachel Gilmore's reply. But Gilmore is frankly just a silly partisan chatterbox, not a serious journalist. She's not senior. She's not well-known. She's not well-respected. A very junior person. It's easy for a politician like Polyev to be at odds with her. But what happened next is my favorite part of the story, absolutely the best part of the story, all the media party came out to defend their gal. I'm just going to read some of them. TV host Cynthia Loist. This is terrifying, Canada. Wake up. Here's a Unifor activist, the Unifor that controls most media in, in Canada, including Global. She said on Twitter, Pierre Polyev is going full Trump. What kind of alternative universe are we living in when leadership candidates are cozying up to known alt-right figures and instead of denouncing hate, they attack journalists for asking <laughs> valid questions? I'm just going to read a bunch of these. Here's another global news journalist on Twitter. My colleague Rachel Gilmore is doing important work and you should follow her. Yes, yes, very, very important work for the Liberal Party. Here's another reporter. Follow and support Rachel Gilmore. Follow and support Global News. They always have and continue to ask important questions of a man who wants to be the prime minister. Yeah, like what shampoo do you use? Here's another report. I'm just going through the reporters. Perhaps we should all just ask Pierre Pauly of these same questions. Yeah, that's, that's what you're doing, mate. Here's another reporter. Support Rachel Gilmore. And here's another reporter. The questions, all reasonable. <laughs> sure they were. Here's uh, someone who works for the Hamilton Spectator and Toronto Star. So Rachel Gilmore from Global asks important questions of the man who would be prime minister. Instead of answering them, he says such questions are an attack and goes after Gilmore. This is shades of the PPC, which often attacks reporters. Keep on keeping on, Rachel. <laughs> she smoked them all out. I mean, I, I'm going to stop there. There are dozens they're not pretending that they're neutral or objective anymore, are they? It's the media party versus the conservative party. They're, they're saying it. They're admitting it. It's like Rosemary Barton's disastrous lawsuit, which they lost, by the way. But times 100, because they're all coming out. They're all coming out to show their allegiance. They're taking sides. They're proving who they are. There's no need to guess anymore. They're not neutral like an umpire or a referee. They're a player, and they're telling you that. They, they never come to challenge Trudeau this way. Are you nuts? He 
pays for their salary in many cases. They never come to the aid of other reporters who are silenced, like, oh, I don't know, Rebel News, like our reporters who are not only banned from the parliamentary press gallery by Trudeau, but are beat up or even shot like David Menzies and Alexa Lavoie. No, you see, it's because Rebel News is not part of their ideological movement, so they don't care about this. Now, I, I like what's going on here. Polyev pushed back a little, but anonymously, which, which was a little weird and a little weak, but it was more than nothing, and Global News' Rachel Gilmore went on the attack and the rest of the media from all companies, because really, what's the difference between them? They, they jumped in, too. And here's why this is important and why this is good news. It's good for the media to reveal themselves to the public, but it is better that they go to war against Pierre Polyev and that they hate each other. And I mean hate on an emotional level. That Polyev knows, in case he ever had a twinkle of a doubt, that they hate him and would kill him politically if they could. That they would destroy him. They want to destroy him. They pledge to destroy him. That he cannot go on their shows that he cannot woo them, that he cannot win them over, that every word they say to him is crooked, a trap, a trick, a lie, an entrapment. He needs to know that, and he needs to be pushed away from them. He needs to push back at them. He needs to be separated from them. He needs to not go to any cocktail receptions with them, not go out with them to the bar, not regard them as his friends. He must know that they deeply despise him, and the best he can ever hope to do is to avoid them and ignore them, and that if they say something to him, that it is likely meant maliciously. That, my friends, is the best and perhaps only way to ensure that Pierre Polyev keeps his beliefs intact, keeps his promises, by absolutely burning any bridges of friendship and rapport with the media party, for it is a false friendship and a false promise of support and love that made Andrew Scheer and Aaron O'Toole and every other sellout corrupt themselves. I love Pierre Polyev's war against the media, and more importantly, I love their declaration of war against him, and I hope it only gets worse on, worse on both sides so he becomes numb to them, as most regular Canadians are numb to them, by the way. Stay with us for more. Hi everyone, just a quick update from me. I'm at the aftermath of the fire that broke out in this particular store called Picnic. And as you know, Picnic is a company that is funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And there are speculations all out there suggesting so many different things. The truth of the matter is we don't actually know what caused the fire. Reports are saying, however, that it could be a battery. Uh, because this grocery store or this picnic grocery store uses electric vehicles to deliver groceries to citizens. So that is the current speculation. But I'm here at the scene and the devastation from the fire is unbelievable. But remember, 
go to farmerrebellion.com. It's very important you visit there. We are currently updating everyone on the news that is happening to do with the Dutch farmer protests here in, in the Netherlands. So please, farmerrebellion.com, visit there and keep yourselves updated. Cheers. Well, that is a video from our special project. I don't know if you got an email from me over the weekend, but uh, we have a team of three journalists in the Netherlands now, and we're covering what we call the Farmer Rebellion. We have a whole special website at farmerrebellion.com. It's a compilation page of all our videos. We've got three journalists over there because I think there's some connections or at least some thematic connections between the Farmer Rebellion in the Netherlands and the Trucker Rebellion in Canada, in both cases, sort of grassroots, uh, authentically, organically organized, like it's not run by a political party. It's just ordinary people saying we've had it with this globalist, top-down, rights-crushing government. In the case of the truckers, it was forcing them to have vaccines to do their job as truckers. In the Netherlands, it's about shutting down their farms for some global warming or global pollution utopia scheme. Very crazy. And so we thought we'd better check it out because I simply do not trust the mainstream media uh, as if the mainstream media were covering it at all, other than perhaps to disparage it. So we've got three journalists over there right now. One from Canada, our friend Lincoln Jay, a freelancer joining us from the post-millennial who lives in Seattle. Her name is Katie Davis-Court. And of course, our UK Bureau Chief, Lewis Brackpool, who joins us now via Skype from a lovely, lovely rural setting in the Netherlands. Lewis, great to see you. I'm jealous. It looks like such a beautiful place you're in. Tell me, first of all, where are you? That's a great question. I mean, I'll be honest, even if I did know where I was, I probably couldn't pronounce it. So I don't want to even try and uh, uh, offend the, uh, the Dutch people. So uh, I'll pass on that if you don't mind. <laughs> that's, a great, that's very true. It's quite a unique language with unique sounds. Um, yeah. But, but you're based in Amsterdam and it's not a huge country. So you drive a couple hours. And if I'm following your journeys, these... Protests are rather sporadic. They come, they wait a few hours, and then they go. I, I saw, for example, you guys seeing a protest on a major highway where they broke out a barbecue and had like a barbecue yeah. in the middle of the highway for a few hours, and they, they moved on. You tell me, what's it like over there? Who are these farmers, and what are they protesting against? Sure. Um, well, to start with, this place, Netherlands, absolutely beautiful, and everyone that we've spoken to, has been so friendly and welcoming to us and the Rebel News team to come and report on these protests. We've been heavily involved on the ground with farmers and supporters of the farmers who have simply had enough of this World Economic Forum policy. I want to call it the, the tentacles of the World Economic Forum that are sort of investing Europe and the remainder of the world at the minute, where we actually met up with farmers and supporters recently. One that you mentioned a blockade where we went on the A37, which is on its way to the German border. And we followed this convoy and their plan was to block the traffic um, before heading into the German border. And like you said, we were, we blocked it. Well, I say we, they blocked it three times. And on the third time, um, this was at night and they came prepared with duvets, uh, with, 
blankets and even with a, a, home, a set barbecue, which they started doing in the middle of the highway. I've never seen anything before like that in my lifetime, but they are that passionate on supporting the farmers and um, this radical environmental policies that are, uh, are really creeping in. Hmm. You know, um, inflation is measured by a number of things. Was there some bicyclists who just sped by you? There's loads of bicycles here. And, they love you know, you bicycles in Holland. It's almost a it, oh. it's almost a character. That's great. Good for well, what a lovely place to bike. That they they and they're serious about it. They went by quite a clip. Oh. Sorry to interrupt myself. You know, That's inflation right. is typically a basket of goods, and how much does it cost mm. one month or one year compared to the next? Obviously, gasoline is part of that. Basic foodstuffs, bread, milk, meat, mm -hmm. a head of lettuce. And because those are things you simply have to buy to live. And the idea mm -hmm. of artificially cracking down on farmers, taking farmland out of production, shutting down yeah. some of the most productive farms in Europe, in the world, like those, yeah. those farmers in Holland... Are, are not marginal producers. They are really one of the breadbaskets of Europe. The idea of in the middle of a recession, sorry, in the middle of global inflation, to yeah. take food out of production for some utopian environmental scheme is so diabolical. It, it sounds like only something someone like Bill Gates would support. It, it almost sounds like it's deliberately evil or malicious. Yeah, completely correct. And it's hard to say or how to even um, say that it isn't uh, almost by design, really, if I'm totally honest, because why would you do such a thing during uh, a cost of living crisis, a cost of uh, food crisis and supply chain issues? And they want to sort of take over 30 percent of the farmer's land in order to combat nitrogen emissions which i i've never heard of that before personally and reducing fertilizers and all such things it's it's very it's strange but you know this is the world economic forum this is uh mark root who's very in bed with these uh globalists who are looking to of course reset as we know from their words and yeah it's a worrying time and the, and the dutch people are very much um, worried about not only the agricultural sector of the Netherlands, but their own livelihoods. And of course, we know that there are some people that are still asleep, predominantly from the city areas. But a lot of people in the rural areas are very awake to, uh, to what's mm. going on. Well, now you've been in so many different places, and I'm trying to keep up with you by going to the site. And, and I joined, you have a conference call twice a day with our team here in Canada. So I think I know what you're up to. But tell me, has there been one moment that was particularly interesting or particularly funny or or unusual that you'd like to share with viewers? Was there a video clip uh, that is was just a classic moment that you want to make sure our viewers see? Yeah, um, well, definitely play the clip of the, the barbecue in the middle of the highway, because that is so unique. I've never seen something like that before. <laughs> um, yeah. Just, you know, we asked him, what is he making? He said hamburgers and he had sausages on the side as well and making onions just in the middle of the, the highway, which is very unique. Um, other uh, 
other moments was Dutch farmers outside the provincial government building um, in a place called Leeuwarden, uh, which is in uh, the Friesland area of uh, Holland. And they wanted to meet with local politicians to discuss their demands, but actually refused to give them time. So they camped out outside of this provincial government building for two days. And we went to meet them and uh, we managed to get on film them talking backwards and forwards with the local politicians and said, if you do not meet our demands by Wednesday, he said, I think that the farmers will explode, was uh, mm. a quote from the um, from the actual farmer. So I think I think there's still a lot more to come, if I'm yeah. totally honest. All right. Let's play a quick clip of that uh, meeting that you just described here. Take a look. So you just had an exchange with the guys who who are here at the government. Yeah. Um, could you explain a bit to the viewers what the exchange was about and what has come to some sort of ultimatum here? Uh, last week we were here. We have an exchange with a, a politician here. Here. They, the half of them didn't show up. Right. Now the man told it went a little bit wrong. Right. We came here yesterday, nobody showed up. We're here today, nobody showed up. Okay. We had only one chance left. Next Wednesday, okay. the, the 13th, then we go inside. All the pollution has to be there, there, so we can make the point straight. Because the, the, uh, that's the last day for the vacation for pollution. Then they are two months gone. Yeah. And um, and if the you, if your demands are not met next Wednesday, if they don't give you the meeting, what do you think will happen? I think the farmers will explode. I think that that is going to happen. All right, Lewis, I know you're busy there. You've got a lot of things going on. In fact, I understand that you have an interview with an American news network called uh, OAN, if I'm not mistaken. I'm very glad to hear it. Make sure you wave your rebel news flag, but those are friendly guys at OAN, and they're interested in these things. They also followed our coverage during the Trucker Rebellion a few months ago. Um, have you seen other journalists on the beat? We know there was a Japanese journalist you guys bumped into, but have you seen anyone from the CBC or the BBC or the New York Times? I mean, not listen, it's a big country. You wouldn't necessarily bump into them, but... What do you make of the coverage so far of the farmer rebellion? Is it is it being given the coverage it deserves by the mainstream media? Simple answer, no. Uh, no, it hasn't, if I'm totally honest. The only other media outlet that has actually uh, given some form of coverage is the Epoch Times uh, that we have were around, but they didn't even ask questions to the farmers. We were the only news outlet stepped up and said, hey, mm -hmm. has the government actually given you a say? Has mm -hmm. the government actually been in contact with you? Mm -hmm. Because I believe, and I think a lot of people around the world believe, this isn't just a local issue. This is an international one. So, mm -hmm. I mean, this is classic mainstream media. If they don't want you to see something, they won't show it. Yeah. Well, the Epoch Times, I'm glad they're there. They, they're uh, one of the good guys, too. Um, and, and they're sort of contrarian. But, you know, I fear that if all you got in the way of news was what the BBC or the CBC or the Toronto Star told you, you would not know what's truly going on. And you would not know that these insane environmental policies that's just all talk, talk, talk 
when they actually move from talk to action, it's devastating, not just to the economy and productivity, but to people's lives. And that's one reason you guys are over there. It's, it's an interesting story. There's echoes of the trucker rebellion, but if it can happen in Holland, you're bloody well right it can happen in Canada too, especially since our prime minister is so similar to their prime minister. They're both globalist um, people who don't really care about local democratic sovereignty. Uh, they want to fit in with the Jet Set Club. I think that you're doing important work there. Give us one last word, uh, Lewis. Uh, what do you plan to do in the next couple of days? So... Because, as you mentioned earlier, the protests are very sporadic around the country. We're keeping an eye and ears uh, on the ground to uh, next protests that will be happening across the Netherlands, uh, especially in the northern region where it seems to be the most active in terms of protests. So we're going to keep coverage over at farmerrebellion.com. So please, if you're watching, check out the website. Go to there. You can help donate as well uh, and keep our reports going. Uh, but we'll be constantly boots on the ground, going to all these different protests and speaking with the farmers to hear what they have to say because the mainstream media won't. Right on, Lewis. Well, I'm very jealous of that gorgeous countryside scene. And it really is um, a highway for bicycles. It's just such a hoot. And it, it's been many years since I've been in Holland, but that is a very Dutch thing. Take care, my friend. Give my regards to your colleagues, Katie and Lincoln, and keep up the great reporting. Thank you very much, Esri. Take it easy. All right, you too. There you have it, Lewis Brackpool on the ground for us in Amsterdam or outside Amsterdam. The website is farmerrebellion.com. Stay with us. More ahead. What do you think about Lewis? Boy, that looked like a lot of fun, that little country pathway with the bikes whizzing by. I sort of wish I was there. The trouble is I could fly there because unvaccinated people can get on planes in Canada again. But coming back to Canada, I'd be forced to a two-week uh, quarantine, which doesn't even make sense. By the way, a year ago in Canada, the quarantine uh, for people uh, was three days. Now it's 14 days because Trudeau just wants to win his vendetta, be vengeful. Um, I'm excited about Pierre Polyev. I like him. I like to see any journalists fighting with reporters. And I'm glad that the Conservative Party is doing so. And I, but like I said, much more importantly, I'm glad that the media party is declaring war on Polyev so publicly. I want them to hate him and vice versa. That's the only chance we have of protecting him from them. That's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night and keep fighting for freedom. This is Lewis Brackpool for Rebel News and today I'm in an undisclosed location about to follow farmers and their supporters to the German border where they plan to block the border between the Netherlands and Germany. Now, people have started to turn up now waving the Netherlands flag upside down. As we know, it's a call to distress or if their country is in a kind of crisis, they would fly that upside down. They also have the red bandanas which show the support for the farmers and there is a few people turned up already early and ready to hit the road to the German borders. I'm going to be going around and asking people why are they here and why is this protest so important? It's the WEF that was wants to uh, have a whole world reset and we are the first one to pick out. 
Do you think? Do you think a lot of farmers know about the World Economic Forum and the Great Reset? Yes, I know for sure because uh, they already know that all the rules are bullshit. Because I have a small child and I want her to know that it's the farmers that get the food on the table and the government is just wrong for doing this. Mm. Uh, I think uh, Europe is going to go down. Yeah. Yes, and the civil war is going to start. So we're currently sandwiched in a convoy of supporters for the farmers where they're making their way to the German border on the A37 with plans to, I believe, block the border. Now you're probably wondering, how am I standing in the middle of a highway on the A37? Let's take a look. Dutch farmer supporters have blocked it. How do you feel, how do you think the Dutch government has treated the farmers? No, not, not, not good, not good. Not good. Mm. It should be the different. Uh, uh, yeah. Something needs to change? Yes, yes. yes. I think they have, yeah. I think the farmers have to be more right. Like, have to have more rights. Yeah, have to have more rights. So why are you here today specifically? Um, we just want to go home. Yeah, yeah we are we we stuck here. Yeah, by accident. Yeah, but you didn't know that this was, this was uh, gonna happen. No, we didn't yeah. know. Okay. We're, we're from a we want little to go party. Home. <laughs> but we understand. We understand. But if the police turn up to this blockade, um, what will happen? What is your next? move it's what the police do if they are um how do you say it um nice to us we will talk with them but if they are gonna fight with us maybe we fight back it's on to the police if they want to talk with us then we talk and maybe we can go or some somewhere else but most time it's the police that go fight first i guess it's safe to say then that tensions are very high in the netherlands right now yes okay. Um, I think they're gonna say that we can stay here for a little bit, but he says it's dangerous behind the back of the, the queue. Yes, because they're coming in with 100 on the 10 speed, so it's dangerous. And we said, yeah, then you have to put someone there with the sirens on so they can see it. What do you think happens next then? I don't know if uh, we have to leave. I think we're gonna leave because we don't wanna fight. We're just in peace with them and they are in peace with us, so it's okay. There are good cops and there are bad cops and that's always, but they can always, maybe these are the good cops and they sometimes you have bad cops. But it's, it's like how they come to us. If they come to us like this, then it's not good. So we're heading back to the car now where we've been told that we are to follow a guy on the bike where we were moving to another location. Protesters are doing a slow drive across the highway. We're right in the thick of it. And we're right at the front as well, to add. We have been driving for how long now? Has it been 40 minutes? We've been on the, we've been on the road in total following this convoy for probably the past two, three hours. No, yeah. this particular point since the last blockade, it's been about 40 minutes, I would say. Yeah. 
and uh, we've had cars pull up next to us, wave, beep, obviously waving the, uh, the bandanas as well, waving back as well, which is cool. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. <laughs> Comfy. Yeah. 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 How long do you think you would stay here? All night. All night. Fantastic. Police have just arrived at the front of the blockade, so we're going to go and investigate and see what they're saying. Of course, I don't know the Dutch language, so you might need to translate it. But here we go. Let's keep the camera rolling and see what happens. Could, could you explain what's happening right now? We have to leave now. You have to leave? Yes, we're going to come together with a group um, off the highway. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So they shut it down? Yes. How does that make you feel? Sad, because they don't understand us. Right. And that's very sad, but uh, we stand here for a long time. Yeah. And I think we made uh, a good statement and uh, tomorrow we go again. Tomorrow you go again? I don't stop it till it's finished. We've seen people preparing to stay here overnight, even though we've been told that this potentially is the final stop on the A37, the third blockade of the night. But it goes to show they are prepared because they are so passionate because they want to support the farmers. This has been Lewis Brackpool reporting for Rebel News in the Netherlands.